0: You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Welcome to the Rock Your Life Podcast. Discover the tools you need to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. From family and wellness to business and goals, it's time to dream out loud. It's time to rock it. This stuff will rock your world. Rock! And now your host, Chasta. Welcome back, friends, to the Rock Your Life podcast. I am Chasta, and it's been a year, you guys. Holy crap. This week marks the one-year anniversary since I launched the Rock Your Life podcast, which literally blows my mind. I mean, the last year has been (laughs) so many things. Uh, It's been strange. It's felt like a long time in a lot of ways, but for the podcast, in those terms, it feels like it's flown by. Um, And I thought I would do something a little bit fun today just to keep it light. You know, we have ups and downs on this podcast. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of fun and laughs and giggles. Like the last episode where I had my mom on, we talked about our international travels and we had a lot of funny stories and that was, you know, a real high point. But we've also talked about a lot of hard things on this podcast. You know, we've dug into all kinds of things, things that are tougher topics to talk about. Uh, For instance, suicide or addiction, things like that. So, you know, we we go through it all here on the podcast. And most importantly, we go through it together. I so appreciate you guys for being with me, whether you've been here the whole time for an entire year or you're brand new. I really appreciate you spending time with me and giving an S enough to listen to this podcast and spend your time with me. You know, your time is super valuable. It's the most valuable thing that you have. So the fact that you're giving me that time means the world to me. So I thought we'd have a little bit of fun today. And I've Never done a QA. I've never really opened myself up to that. I've never done it on social media and I've never done it on this podcast, I thought it could be fun. You know, you guys just asking me random questions. And so I put it out on social media. And I got back some fun stuff. Now I'm not going to go forever because you know, I'm not going to be gluttonous or anything and self involved. <laughs> I know you don't want to know every single thing about me. Um, but I went through the questions and I gathered some that were kind of uh, reoccurring questions, you know, people asking me the same kinds of things. So I'm hitting those. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be a little bit fun kind of a get-to-know-you. For some of you who are family, close friends, whatnot, you might know all of this information, but if you're new to the program, then you know, you'll learn some stuff. So it'll be a good time. Thank you so much if you submitted a question. Super appreciate it. So let's get into it, shall we? So I told you guys you could ask me anything, professional, personal, didn't matter. And because I do work in radio and TV, and I've worked in radio for almost 20 years, I did get several questions about my job and about my career in radio. So we'll start with that. Uh, The Happies submitted on Instagram, what was one of the craziest news days that comes to mind when you went to work? So in radio, I have done pretty much everything. (laughs) I have been a jock. I've been a reporter, both news and traffic and weather and entertainment and all kinds of stuff. The first thing that pops out in my head um, with this question is car chases. You know, I used to be a traffic reporter in Los Angeles. And of course, LA is known for traffic. So that's where stuff pops off, right? So we would have car chases probably once a week. I mean, it seemed like. And so when that would happen, our newsroom and traffic department would just go bananas. You know, we'd have choppers overhead and we'd have to be, you know, live, basically live reporting constantly because especially if they were super high speed chases or the person we knew was armed um, and dangerous, especially if they were on, you know, surface streets or going the opposite direction or near a school or whatever it was, you know, you had to be on top of it because, you know, not only is that person putting themselves in danger and the police who are trying to catch that person, but they're also putting other people in danger. And that's what we were most, you know, concerned about is getting the word out so people would know where this car was, where it was headed, um, so that they could get out of the way. So that was always super intense. Radio can be intense because it's live, <laughs> you know. Um so it's always got that level of energy to it. Um but when you have things that are moving that quickly, um and it's that important. I mean literally, you know, it can be a life and death situation. You really have to be on your A game, you know. So I take it very seriously. What I do always, I mean on the bone right now, I'm mostly a jock. I do traffic reporting in the morning with Lamont Tanelli, but you know, I we also have a lot of fun on the morning show and during the middle of the day I'm, you know, a DJ. So it's a little bit less stressful <laughs> to say, you know, put it mildly, but I still take my job very seriously. You know, getting information out to people is incredibly important. So King of Muscles 15 asks, how did you make your way as one of the hosts of 1077 The Bone? Well, I... Um, was actually a traffic reporter in San Francisco for a company called Metro Networks. And I was reporting traffic and news actually for multiple different stations throughout the state. Um, and my boss, her name was Mona. That was her on-air name. Uh, she worked for 107.7 The Bone. She was Lamont Antonelli's traffic reporter. And... This is a really long story, but basically that company split ways with another company that Lamont LaMontanelli were on. So there were a parting of two companies and she was in management. So she had benefits and a pension and all that kind of stuff she couldn't walk away from to leave that company and go with Lamont Tanelli because she was actually broadcasting – down the street. She was not in the um, control room with them. She was not in the studio with them. She was down the street. And she also reported for other stations. Um, so she wasn't able to leave that company and hop on board and be full time in the building with Lamont Tanelli because of those managerial reasons. So she offered it to me. I was her fill in at the time. And I'll never forget because this moment ended up really changing my life. And I knew in this moment that it was going to um, I remember she pulled me aside and she was very quiet in a back room um, at the office and whispered it to me that, that those were her plans and that she was going to pass the torch to me. And of course, I just flipped out because, you know, I've been in radio, like I said, for almost 20 years. Um, I've worked in Los Angeles and Oklahoma City and of course, the Bay Area. And this is market number four, which is a major market. And LeBlanc and Tinelli, are legends. (laughs) You know, they have been working on the radio here over 30 years with monster ratings the entire time. Everyone knows who they are. And, you know, I had a dream of working for The Bone. Like, I'm not saying that casually. I set out to work at 1077 The Bone when I moved here. It was the station that I loved. It's the music that I'm most comfortable playing and talking about. I knew it was going to be my wheelhouse. And I tried for a couple of years to get a job at 1077 The Bone and never got a response from the boss at that time. So I knew moving from Traffic Reporter with Lamont and Tinelli, that it could be a way for me to gain some momentum and actually work for The Bone. So whenever that transaction happened between those two companies and I came on board I was in the building, in the studio with Lamont and Tonelli, and I was just simply their traffic reporter at the time. I would come on, you know, three, four times an hour, do my 30-second traffic report, and that was it. But over time, being in the same studios with them, you know, they would pull me in to get my female perspective on whatever shenanigans they were up to. And over time, it just we built this rapport and this relationship. And I became very close with those guys. And they respected me as an on air personality. And they would throw me more and more things, you know, they would ask me my opinion on more and more things. And over time, it just built up to where now You know, I'm basically the third co-host on the show and I'm super humbled and super honored because again, those guys have always been and will always be legends to me, even though they're two of the closest people in my life now, I'll never forget just being a fan in my car, listening to that morning show, you know, and now to be able to do that with them is a little bit mind blowing. If I sit and really think about it, it kind of trips me out that two of my closest friends are Lamont Tanelli. They're really like my crazy uncles, but they are super, super um, good with me. They're very protective of me. They are always you know, right behind me anytime I need anything. They've got my back. They're just really great humans. And it was funny because whenever the word got out that I was going to be there full time with them, people were like, oh, (laughs) I remember people being like, oh, you're going to work with Lamont Tinelli? Uh, That's scary. Or those guys have a reputation because they do. I mean, they're crazy on the air. Um, but they're really good, genuine people. And they have been nothing but wonderful to me. And I'm so lucky because being on that show changed my life. From that show, then I was able to do weekends, you know, as a jock, I, you know, traffic reporting wasn't my solo gig anymore. You know, I became a jock again, and I was able to do weekend shifts. And then eventually when the lovely Stephen Seaweed retired from the midday show, he was the one that put my name out there to our boss to be able to take over uh, for his 44 year career on the air. Talk about humbled and honored and intimidated and holy crap, those are some shoes to fill. But here we are three years later, and uh, I feel like I'm doing all right. Thanks to my listeners. So there you go. Chuck Martinez, 1984 asks, can I meet you and get a signed poster and picture? Here's the thing, Chuck, the very second they allow me to do that. Absolutely. I used to do meet and greets all the time, specifically at uh, car shows, you know, like good guys, car shows and home shows and stuff like that. They would have me out and, you know, I would do like a little booth or whatever. And it was so much fun because I got to hang out with my boneheads and meet my listeners and, you know, see people face to face, people I'm used to talking on the bone text lines to or on the phone lines or, you know, seeing them on social media or whatever. I was actually getting to meet those people in real life, shake their hand, give them a hug or whatever. And obviously with COVID that got completely shut down. Um, So not yet, but I would say probably soon. And the second I get to do that, I will be doing that. In the meantime, if you want me to sign anything, I will do that. I do have pictures I can sign and put in the mail to you. So you can always send me an email and ask for that. Chasta on air at gmail.com. But as far as a meet and greet, I will let you know. Duke of E asks, how old were you when you realized that radio was your niche in life? Now, I've told this story on the podcast before, so I don't wanna go through the whole thing again, but the bottom line is, when I was in college, I called up to a radio station and asked for Aerosmith tickets, like how I could buy them or if I could win them or whatever. Ended up talking to that DJ. His name is Greg Zubek. He is a legend. He's still on the air at Rock 100.5, The Cat in Oklahoma City. And he and I hit it off. I made him laugh. He thought I had a great voice, great rapport. And he invited me in the next day for an internship. And I took it. And I lied (laughs) because he asked me, you know, are you going to get credit for this? Because it was unpaid. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I faked it. I made up my own um, letterhead from my university because we did not have that kind of program at the time. And so I just, you know what? Fake it till you make it. That's exactly what I did. And I got that job and I worked for free as an intern for about 10 months. And then one day, uh, the midday girl, um, she didn't show up to work because she had an emergency and I got put on the air, like thrown on the air. And it was terrifying. And my boss walked me in studio to a 50,000 watt, huge classic rock station in Oklahoma City. Like I said, rock 100.5, the cat, everybody I ever knew listened to that station. And he put me on, he showed me how to turn on and off the mic to stop and play the music on the computer. And that was it. And he left the room and I puked in a trash can. And then I went on the air and that was that. And I caught the bug and I got a regular gig after that on the weekends and just, you know, Built my way up from there. SM McBride 006 asks Do you enjoy the morning broadcast with Lamont and Tinelli more or when you're doing your solo show? Uh, that's a really good question. You know, it's two completely different experiences. In the morning with Lamont and Tinelli, it truly is like we're hanging out at a bar for five hours together. Like it's for the listeners, I think it's as if you're peeking into a conversation with three really close friends that are chatting at dinner or chatting at the bar or whatever, just things we would talk talk about. You know, we have ideas of what we're going to talk about. And we have bits that we play that our fantastic content producer smelly comes up with and he and Lamont do so much writing together and they work so hard on stuff like that. So we have like general ideas, we have bits that we do and whatnot. Um, but other than that, like it's just, you know, it's just us being us. And so we just have a whole lot of fun, you know, and on Fridays, we do dirty Fridays where we um, prank call people. Going back to being humbled and mind blown, um, you know, again, I used to listen to Lamont Tonelli as just a listener and I would admire their work and just I was always amazed at how creative they were and how crazy and ballsy they were like they would just do anything. And I remember the first time Lamont asked me to do a Dirty Friday call, which if you don't listen to Lamont Tonelli or if you're not in the area, it's prank calls basically on Fridays. We do it every Friday. And I remember the first time he asked me to do one. Holy Lord. Um, I was terrified. But, you know, those moments in your life, you're like, absolutely, you got to say yes, or you may not get the opportunity ever again, you got to just be ready and willing. And I was ready and willing. And I did it. And it was super awesome. And I had so much fun. And now I do them pretty frequently. I would not say I'm used to it by any means, because you just never know what's going to happen with Lamont or what's going to come at you, you know, you just don't know. Um, So there's very little way to prepare, but you just got to roll with it. Thank God I took those improv classes in college, because that got me ready to be on the air in moments like that, um, But I love, you know, doing my show as well. So after the morning show wraps up, I have my midday show, which is just me. So it's such a different, you know, experience because it's apples and oranges. It's the difference of sitting and having a conversation with two of your best friends versus being in a box by yourself playing music, right? So I do entertain myself by talking to the boneheads on Text lines, social media. You know, I watch what you guys are chatting about. I find out what's important to you. You know, we play the music that you love, but I also try to bring up stories that I think would be funny or entertaining or enlightening or impactful, you know, that kind of thing. I do a ton a ton of research on the internet trying to find things that will be interesting uh, to you guys or make you laugh, make you giggle. And that's my whole job. So I take it very seriously. But I love both, but I guess just for different reasons, right? Jimmy Jamako, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, He asked, when did you start saying love, love? So every day when I sign off from 1077 The Bone, I say love, love. And that started because it's something that Lamont and I would say privately, off the air, and it comes from a movie with Ben Stiller called The Heartbreak Kid. Uh, That is a movie that came out, like I think it was 2007, and Lamont loves that movie, and he was the one that originally told me about that movie, and I watched it, and it's hilarious, and there's this moment where Ben Stiller is talking to his lady and he can't say love you. So he says, love, 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 love. And so Lamont and I, that sort of became our inside joke, like love, love, love. And then it just shortened to love, love. So, you know, when we get off the phone or, you know, whatever, we would say love, love. And then I started using it on the air and it almost became kind of my nod to the morning show to Lamont and Tanelli, like a thank you almost, you know, because they gave me such a huge break by putting me on their show, which got me my own show on the bone. And so it felt like something that was, you know, nice to say to my bonehead family, you know, my listeners, like, hey, you know, I love you. Thanks for being with me. Love, love. But it was also kind of a nod back to the boys who really We're a major player in getting me where I am today. ADECC asks, what is your favorite rock band? Well, we talked about this on the show recently. I have a very hard time choosing favorites when it comes to music because I love music so deeply, like it encompasses my whole soul that to just pick one feels impossible. But I'll give you kind of a roster of the top few. I mean, probably my favorite favorite, if you forced it, would be Janis Joplin. Um, But when I was young, I was obsessed with Aerosmith and Pearl Jam. And those all three are still absolute favorites of mine. But I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Led Zeppelin, Jane's Addiction, Smashing Pumpkins. Tool. I mean, Deftones. I'm. T- I'm telling you, like, it's very hard for me to choose. Um, but favorite rock band, I would say favorite rock singer would be Janis Joplin. If I absolutely had to be forced, Michaela Freeman asked, "What was the first album that got you into music?" It was Aerosmith. It was the um, their permanent vacation cassette, which is totally dating myself. Um, but I got that when I was very young. And then I remember my first CD was Big Ones, which was a greatest hits Aerosmith uh, CD. But in the beginning it was all Aerosmith. And then I was super obsessed with Stone Temple Pilots, you know, in high school as well and Pearl Jam and Smashing Pumpkins and all those other bands that I just mentioned. Um, but that was really what started it for me was that permanent vacation cassette. She also asked, what got you through college? Um honestly besides music um and that is the truth I would always listen to music when I was in my, um, either my apartment or my uh, sorority house. I lived in a sorority house with many other girls and music was it for me. It was how I calmed myself. It was how I focused. It was how I drowned out the sound of 30 other girls that I worked or lived with in the sorority house. Uh, So music was key for me, but also kind of on that note of being distracted, like trying to drown things out. Um, I am not a person who just does super well in school without studying. Like, I definitely would say I'm a smart person. I don't have any problem saying that I feel like I am a smart and savvy chick. However, I do have to study. It's always been like that for me, especially when it comes to test. So I was really hyper focused on giving myself the space and time to do so. So I was a library going fool. I would take all my books and I would go to the library where it was quiet, where I could put my headphones in or whatever and listen to my music, um, which by the way, at the time was on a Walkman, (laughs) burned CDs in a Walkman. Don't judge me again. Wow. How did I get this old anyway? I would be in the library and it would either be quiet and I'd be able to study or I would have my music in, but I would have to separate myself and really focus. And I just was super committed. I've always been a very committed person. When I have a goal, I set that goal. And there's not one damn thing come hell or high water that's going to stop me from accomplishing it. And that's how I was in college, too. The Happies also ask, what was the most insane show you can remember going to? Um, geez, I've been to so many concerts. I'm so grateful for that. That's part of working in radio and also just being an absolute nutcase about music. So <laughs> I can't, I couldn't even tell you how many shows I've been to, but the one, actually the two that stick out the most to me are from the same band. Um, and it's the band I've probably seen the most or the second most times, um, Aerosmith and Tool, but Tool provided me both of these stories. So number one, when I was in college, I was dating a guy and we went to see Tool and we were in the front and a pit opened up and he got pushed to the very, very front where the barricades are. And he broke, I, I swear, I remember at the time and maybe I'm exaggerating. I thought he broke all of his ribs. I don't even know if that's possible, but he broke like a whole crap load of ribs. And he basically, you know, his torso sort of caved in and he had to go to the hospital and it was insane. Um, And I think he had a long recovery after that. So that was a tool show, but also another tool show. Tool puts on a pretty amazing concert if you haven't ever seen them. There was a show, I don't remember what tour it was on, but it was in the early 2000s. And they had these people that were painted, they were naked, and they were painted like gold and silver, and they were hanging from an arena in Oklahoma City. And they were like spinning around and like dancing with each other upside down, hanging from the top of an arena. I don't know how tall it is, how tall, 30 feet, 50 feet off the ground? I don't know. But they were on like bungee cords. And it was, acrobatics, like Cirque du Soleil, whatever you want to call it. But it was perfectly on beat to the tool concert that was happening. And it was just spectacular and breathtaking. And I will never forget it, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my whole life. All right, from Thrashley, we have Do you feel the podcast has been therapeutic? 1000% I feel like it's been therapeutic. Um, you know, there are a lot of times I open the mic and I start talking about a topic that I have in my head, but I don't plan anything out legitimately. And sometimes it may sound that way. Um, I have a topic idea. I have a direction I want to go, but it's really free flowing. And sometimes I don't even realize how I feel about things until I talk them out until I say them out loud and oftentimes on this podcast. So it's pretty incredible um, what I've actually learned about myself over the last year doing this podcast. And I'm super grateful for a place to uh, speak freely. I mean, look, I work at The Bone and on Soundwaves TV, and I am super duper supported there. I have great bosses, great partnerships with my uh, co-host and whatnot, and everybody allows me to be me and say whatever I want. Um, But, you know, there are limits as far as time goes, you know, especially on the bone. Um, I know people are there for rock and roll and I very limited on the quote unquote opinions that I give. Uh, You know, so I know what my audience is there for on the bone. Um, So I keep it brief. And then on Soundwaves TV, it's again, all about music supporting the local scene. It's not about me. Um, So this is a space where I can talk about what I want uh, freely for as long as I like, because I'm in control of this and I know that people who find this podcast are interested in going quite a bit deeper. You know, they expect something long form. They expect um, topics that are um, maybe sometimes tougher to talk about. So, yeah, I just feel like I can really kind of go there on this podcast. And oftentimes when I have talked about, well, all kinds of topics, I have found out um, how I truly feel about them. So, yeah, it's absolutely been therapy. And, you know, I appreciate you guys being in the trenches with me, right, and learning You know, a lot of things have pushed me to learn in the last year as well and grow as a person. And I'm always looking to be a better human. And I feel like this podcast has really helped me to focus on that. And hopefully will continue to help me focus on that. Rhonda Sealin, what has been the most amazing part of this year for you and your podcast and the most challenging? Um, The most amazing part is just, really getting to have great conversations and like diving into these topics with all kinds of people, you know, um, from all different backgrounds and then connecting on different things, you know, um, a lot of moments stick out. I don't want to start naming names specifically on who was the most amazing because I'm going to leave somebody out or I'll feel bad, you know, not mentioning this one or forgetting that person because they really have all been curated from my heart. People I have reached out to, to have these conversations with, um, about important topics. So they're all like my little babies, right? Um, The most challenging, I will say, was uh, the conversation that I had about race relations with Marcus Osborne. So when I started this podcast, I committed to myself that I was going to be an open book. And whatever was going on in my life, whatever was going on in the world, I was going to talk about it, you know, open and freely. And again, try to work on myself, try to be a better person, try to learn from others, try to do things better, right? That was a whole point of this podcast. And lo and behold, you know, I kick off this podcast in April and then May, um, George Floyd, that murder happened. And, you know, all of these protests started and it really magnified the problems that we have in this country with racism. And thank God, we're finally getting to a place now where accountability is real we also the verdict come down uh, this week actually on that case and so we're getting better and better but we've got a long way to go right and so uh, Marcus Osborne is a dear friend of mine he reached out to me on Facebook and said hey I will be your black friend that has this conversation with you which I so appreciate him he's such a fantastic human I've known Marcus for I don't even know, a decade or something like that. And just the fact that he, you know, saw the need to have this very, very important conversation. He reached out, wanted to have it. And I was honored that he had it with me. You know, I'm sure he had that conversation with several other people, but the fact that he took the time and had a very open and honest conversation with me and gave me the space to ask anything I wanted to ask and not be afraid of how I say something or I might say something the wrong way because I was nervous, right? I mean, I always take things like this incredibly seriously and i always want to make sure that i'm doing the right thing and talking about things in a respectful way so you know i i really had a high bar for myself in that conversation and i felt like he held my hand through it and he taught me a lot and you know there's so much more to be taught and there's so much more for me to understand and there's so much more research for me to do and my heart is open and my head is open and i am willing and ready to learn. I was so grateful that Hugh and I were able to have that really heartfelt moment. And I wanted to end with a few questions sent in from my best friend, Gianna Franco. Um, Who would be your dream guest on the podcast? What's your advice for people wanting to break into radio? And what is the biggest thing you learned this year? So let's start with guest. Now, here's the truth of the matter. I have in my phone, in my notes on my phone, I have an interview bucket list. And it's broken down by rock stars, notable celebrities, authors. Authors, people in the self-help world that I admire. So the list is long when it comes to dream guests on the podcast. But, you know, rock stars, I'm going to go with some obvious ones. Just put it out in the universe, right? Uh, Dave Grohl, Steven Tyler, Eddie Vedder, I have been able to put check marks next to people I admire like Bob Seger and Perry Farrell and uh, Charlie Starr, lead singer of Blackberry Smoke. Um, you know, so I've I've been able to check some off in my Notables category. I also got to check off Kamal Bell. I've interviewed him ooh, two or three times, I believe. Um, he is such a fantastic human being. He also is a comedian. Uh, he has the most important show on network television called United Shades of America. It's on CNN. If you're 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 not familiar, get familiar because it's so great. So I've already interviewed him. But in that category, I've always wanted to chat with Anderson Cooper. I've been a lifelong fan of his work. Unfortunately, Anthony Bourdain was also in that category. He passed and my heart was broken. But he was like my number one who I could share a beer with was Anthony Bourdain. So that one hurts. And in the self help slash Author category because I'm a big reader, big book nerd. I love, love, love Gretchen Rubin. She is probably my absolute favorite author, uh, along with Joan Didion. Um, both of those women I just respect and hold at a really high bar, and I would love to be honored uh, to chat with them. Also, Shalene Johnson. I am a lifer of Shalene. Uh, that's what people call themselves when they follow Shalene and always have. Uh, I adore her every Everything she does. I just think she is just a wealth of knowledge in so many ways. And so I would love to get her on the podcast to talk about, well, all the things, quite honestly. And Jen Hatmaker, she is another um, really important author to me. She speaks on behalf of Christian women and specifically Christian women who are a little bit more progressive. And I respect the way that she thinks about things in that category. She talks about them freely. She really, um, did some work in my heart with some of her books. And I would love to express my gratitude to her on this podcast. So all of those have been put out in the universe. Let's see what happens. Okay. What's your advice for people wanting to break into radio? I do get this question a lot from people. Um, the number one thing I would say, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you, this is a pet peeve of mine, when people just assume that they can do my job with no radio experience whatsoever. <laughs> I'm always amazed that people just think that, you know, I open my studio door, I crack a mic and And I just go and it's super easy and there's no work behind it. People are like, I'm funny or I know how to talk or I have a good voice. Bless your heart. (laughs) You know what? You are funny and you have a great voice and I'm sure you could, you know, work hard maybe and do this job. But the truth of the matter is like if you have never worked on a car, would you go try to immediately be a mechanic? you know, expect to start as an intern, expect to start as, you know, maybe a part time worker in the promotions department. Those are two really great ways to break into radio. I started as an intern, you know, just don't just don't come at people like that expecting to get in their business, you know, at a at a middle to top tier when you have no experience. Um, it's just, it's a little bit off putting and that's all I'm going to say about that. We'll leave that one right there. And what is the biggest thing you learned this year? I will tell you, I spend a big portion of my life on the radio and on television. So you would think I would be used to being an open book and being live and speaking my mind. But the truth is that this is a different space because I have the control, the freedom and the time to say whatever I want on this podcast. Sometimes I overthink things a little bit and I worry about what others are gonna think about my topics or about my interviews or about my views on things or did I say the right thing? Did I say it in the right way? You know, I can really overanalyze. So I have pushed myself really hard to just let that go you know, and just fully live into who I am, because I know, I know who I am. I know what my intentions are in my heart. I know what my intentions are with this podcast. And as long as I'm staying true to those intentions and true to who I am, none of the rest of it matters. This podcast won't be for everyone. And that's okay. I don't need everyone to be here. I need people who, like me, have open minds and open hearts and are ready to dig in and have great conversations and try to be better versions of themselves. That's what it's about for me. So everything outside of that, I don't care about. So I don't worry about the peanut gallery anymore you know, and I don't, I wouldn't say I'm perfect on that. You know, it creeps back in, but I audibly remind myself, like I will say out loud, "Mm -mm, peanut gallery, they've got, you know, the cheap seats in your life, their opinion on what you're doing doesn't matter. As long as you feel like you have a purpose with this podcast, you're putting good content out in the world, trying to be a better human, trying to better your space and the lives of the people that are in your community, then that's all I can ask of myself. Right. So, That's what I have learned in the last year of doing this podcast. So I just want to say thank you so much for being here. You know, not just on this episode, but all the episodes that you've listened to, people who have sent me messages, you know, pouring their heart out to me and connecting with me on anything. Like, You just really can't understand how special it is to me um, to open up an email or a message and, and read those words from you. You know, it's such a huge honor to, to be a person in your life that you feel connected enough to, especially if we've never met before. And oftentimes that is the case to be a person for you that you trust, you know, with what's going on in your life that you think of me to send that message to. Um, that you trust that when I tell you that I will pray for your child who has cancer or whatever it may be that I'm really going to do that. Um, you know, it's it's such an honor. And I take those emails very seriously. I love and respect you guys. Your time is so valuable. And the fact that you hand over a little bit of your time to me every week, um, it means more than you'll ever know. So thank you for that. Before I start crying, I'm going to stop. <laughs> If you would like, maybe for our podcast birthday that we're celebrating, if you'd like to spread the word, I would love that. You know, they say you don't get what you don't ask for. So if you could take a screenshot of this episode or any episode you like and share it on social media, you know, put it up on your Instagram stories, tag me, you know, let people know that you enjoy this podcast and you think they might enjoy it. Uh, That would be super duper rad. And of course, uh, make sure you're subscribed so you get all the episodes alerted to your phone. And uh, rate and review for bonus points. Only if you've got something nice to say. If you don't, we'll just, you know what your mama says, okay? All right. If you guys want to send me an email, feel free, ChastaOnAir at gmail.com. You want to hit me up on social. I hang out most often on Instagram at Chastalyn, C-H-A-S-T-A-L-Y-N-N. I don't have an adult beverage right here, but if I did, I would say cheers to you. And here's to another year of rocking our lives. I love you guys. Thanks for being with me.